Hello everyone and thanks so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict podcast. In this podcast we aim at discovering food science topics for those of you who already know what food science is and also for those of you who are not sure about it. Listen to us while we unravel the mystery and wonders of food science from ingredients functionalities to novel technologies to novel foods and much more. I am Veronica, I'm a food scientist and a science communication enthusiast. Today we will have Panaton or Copter for friends who will talk about challenges, limitations and opportunities of 3D food printing. Hello, I'm Copter and in this episode of Dr. Veronica's series of food science podcast, today I will be talking about 3D food printing. Generally speaking, 3D printing is the process of making solid three-dimensional object from a digital file. Having its first appearance in the early 1980s, 3D printing did not catch the public attention at first. In fact, the media played a huge role in making 3D printing the latest technological innovation. But with the recent hype surrounding 3D printing, this has raised my curiosity on what are the current application of 3D printing in the food manufacturing industry and the opportunities that 3D printing could do in the field of food science. Most likely, you'll often hear the term 3D printing also as additive manufacturing. And both terms do suggest the same meaning. But relax, we won't be getting too technical here. <laughs> well. Many food industries are adopting 3D food printing as part of their manufacturing process, whether it's for culinary arts, nutritional content, or environmental matters. In fact, many companies have already used 3D printing as part of their production line. In some cases, their entire production line. Take Redefine Meat as an example. This Israel startup company creates animal-free meat from natural plant-based ingredients using this new cutting-edge technology. By using the combination of food formulations, 3D meat modeling, and a 3D printer, they created a meat substitution while maintaining the appearance, texture, and flavor of those real animal meats. In London, there's also a restaurant that serves 3D printed food ranging from your main course to your desserts. Even their furniture and utensils are all produced by the 3D printer. How amazing is that? To use a 3D food printer, users will fill up the 3D food printer syringe, which will then be forced or pushed out to form layer after layer. Therefore, with this extrusion technology, 3D food printer will usually allow only a pasty type ingredients such as cake frostings, soft cheese, chocolate, or pancake batter. And it is also possible to print cookie doughs, uh, pastas, and mashed potatoes. And indeed, the ingredients or material used should have some density and consistency in order to form uh, layers and withstand different layers because otherwise the printed product would just become a pile of dripping yogurt. In some cases, food ingredients like chocolate in a paste form 
would solidify as it cools down, which makes it qualified and compatible with the requirements of 3D food printing technology. However, foods such as rice, meats, fruits and vegetables are not printable by nature, meaning that they require some additive to help facilitate the extrusion technology. Additives such as hydrocolloids are approved and often used within the culinary fields to thicken the texture of food materials or ingredients into a semi-solid form and to modify it to become printable. Furthermore, whether you are printing sausages, pasta, cakes or cookies, the nature of the material that's being printed determines which 3D food printing process we use. As each ingredient has a unique mixture of malleability, consistency, and adhesions. Which brings us to the different technology applied within 3D food printing. There are printing through extrusion, inkjet printing, selective sintering technology through hot air or laser, and lastly, binder jetting. Again, each with a specialization in printing different food materials as well as those raw materials. Take for example, inkjet-based 3D printers. They're able to print low viscosity materials like pizza sauce or fruit puree using either liquid or a solid phase of maybe fruit juice or fruit concentrate. If you are interested to find more information about the types of 3D printers and their food materials use, please feel free to message us on the Food Science Addict on Instagram. But with the five different printing types, are all materials and ingredients printable? With 3D food printing becoming more and more popular these days, what are the bonuses or benefits of these 3D printed food? As 3D food printers are able to customize the appearance of foods like colors, shapes, and their flavors, this definitely satisfies the desire of many foodie customers, especially for those Instagrammers. And I admit, I'm guilty of taking photos of my food before anyone touches them as well. And in terms of waste, 3D printed food does reduce waste as you'll be printing on demand with the amount of food required and avoiding the potential food waste, especially with the blemishes of fruits and vegetables. Using the 3D printer, you do have a variety of choices of ingredients to use. You could choose to incorporate sustainable ingredients or a more nutritious ingredient that might be unappealing in their native forms like algae or insects. So it is no doubt that food waste and sustainability are amongst the bonuses of 3D printed food. But as we take a step back and look at the bigger picture, we've got this groundbreaking technology, but what are the positive applications that they could apply to us to each individual countries and to the world maybe. But how could this technology help and enhance the wider community like the public's health? Each individual varying from age and gender do have different dietary requirements. For instance, the supplementation of vitamin Ds and calcium are usually required for the elderly population to assist on the skeletal health. And let's say, an individual is anemic. She or he or they would require a higher consumption of iron-rich foods. So 
with all these specific dietary needs, the 3D food printer could design food that fits with those specific dietary requirements for each individual, our customers. However, an important point to take into consideration of 3D food printing is that they have a limited shelf life. This is due to the structural changes. For example, puris or doughs prepared by 3D printing would often undergo a change in their structural rheology approximately after two hours of printing, making it undesirable. Moreover, printing food using the 3D printer has its major drawbacks when given a selection of materials available to use. While a normal 3D printer can create objects with a selection of plastics and metals, the availability of raw materials to select for, from food are limited. This also depends on the printing technique used, as some techniques allow a certain of food's characteristics, but some do not. For example, with the complexity in the structure of meat, or even for fruits and vegetables, they can't be 3D printed as is. The raw materials or ingredient must be powdered or mashed, depending on the printing technique used. And perhaps, 3D printers usually opt for thermoplastic materials, Therefore, the physical or chemical properties affecting the printability of foods were not considered when developing the 3D food printer. This includes their viscosity, the stickiness, the firmness, and the tenderness. So, within a single dish, not all parts of foods can be made from three-dimensional printing. This is due to the specs of printing techniques, a limited selection of raw materials and ingredients and the effect that printing has on the properties of food. Furthermore, most 3D printed foods and objects required some sort of cleaning up or post-processing to remove any necessary support materials and to also smooth the surface in order to present the product as appealing as possible. With post-processing methods including water jetting, sanding, chemical soaking and many more, you see. The amount of post-processing required can risk any opportunity of damaging a delicate-looking food, which is served in mainly luxury dining. So, while 3D printing allows a faster production of some parts of the food, the production tends to slow down as post-processing are done by human, therefore becoming the limiting factor. Here. As we are reaching the near end of the podcast, I would like to explore more on the future outlooks of 3D food printing and their novel application. It is without a doubt that 3D food printing does hold a promising future within the food science field, and many that have already adapted 3D food printers within their production line, whether it's in the manufacturer or in the kitchen. In the long run, it is possible that 3D food printing could provide the military's meal, as well as tailoring the soldier's nutrition into a customized food printed by a 3D printer. It could print food that is able to be consumed by patients suffering from dysphagia, or even in some sort of ways to eliminate the use of tube feeding by 3D food printing, or provide meals for astronauts on a future space that has a longer and a stable shelf life, or create an alternative food for people who have an allergy towards specific food. I could go on and on and on. 
but the potential that 3D food printing could have is limitless. Finally, I would like to end with a curious question. For all the audience listening here, how far do you think could 3D food printing go? And what are some other applications that a 3D food printer could apply in the future? Are there any drawbacks? Are there any problems that we should know before using it in our daily life? And I thank you for your time. I hope you enjoy my company here and thank you for listening. Well, thanks so much, Copter, for this interesting podcast. That was very, very, very insightful. If you have any other questions or any doubts or curiosities, just pop an email to thefoodscienceaddict at outlook.com or send a DM to our Instagram at thefoodscienceaddict. Thanks so much for joining us today. Keep listening to our next episodes. This podcast series has been produced thanks to the collaboration of some students from the University of Surrey. We will meet more of them in the next episodes. But until then, take care and goodbye. <laughs>